Welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. In this week's show, we return to Co-Driver Corner. And I guess, well, you could call it that because we keep having so many co-drivers. We have special guest with us, Karen Jankowski. I've known Karen as long as I've been involved in rallying, and surprisingly, this is the first time we've had her on our show. We talk with Karen about how she got started in motorsports, and more specifically in rallying. We also get a bit of a review from last month's Olympus Rally, and find out who's going to have to sit in the right seat as she takes on her first stage rally as a driver in the upcoming Dirtfish Oregon Trail Rally. This is Open Paddock, the rally cast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whenever it is you listen to our ramblings. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and with me is my co-host, who needs no introduction at all, so I'm not going to give him one. <laughs> oh, it still makes me laugh. That is my favorite one-liner from my childhood, and yes, oh, you just, yeah, you just made me laugh, giggle, because it's so many childhood memories associated with that one You're one a punny guy, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> All right, Ian. How you doing, man? I am doing great today. It's uh, it's been a nice day in Minnesota. Beautiful, sunshiny day, and uh, kind of like feeling I should have taken the Model T Ford out for a drive before I before I came and did the podcast, but ran out of time, unfortunately. But let's start things off. I have a beer in my hand for the first time in a few weeks. Well, we've got also our special guest with us, who's oh, also yes, joining do. in uh, in the beverage consumption. <laughs> we welcome to the show Karen Jankowski. And Karen, how is it we've not had you on the Rallycast yet? I mean, I've known you how long? Mm, I don't know. We right? were just talking about that the other day. I can't believe how long we've known each other and how long you guys have been doing the podcast. And by the way, thanks for having me on the show. I uh, listen to your show every week. Love it. You guys do a great job, and um, I'm honored that you guys asked me. So better late than never, right? <laughs> Save the best for, well, not last, but later. <laughs> there we go. Save the best for later. <laughs> well, um, as we were talking, I guess, a little bit adult beverages that we're uh, consuming here, uh, Karen, we'll let you lead off because uh, I, I hear you're enjoying something rather tasty. Well, it is supposed to be in the mid-80s here in the Portland area, and so I wanted a little bit lighter, a little fruitier beer, so I went with a Full Sail, their new Blood Orange Wheat Ale, Ooh. which is really, really nice. Uh, not too fruity, just a little bit like having, um, you know, a, a nice ale with a little hint of orange. So I kind of get away from stouts this time of year, a little heavy for me when it's yeah. real hot out. Mm -hmm. And um, I like something a little bit like this. Well, you know, one thing I like about some of these fruit beer things that have been starting to come on, some of the ones that are not, you know, I don't want them too tart, but that kind of overcomes the over hoppiness of some of the ones. It kind of tones them down a bit. Something about the fruit with the hops kind of takes away some of the bitterness, it seems. And uh, good choice. That sounds like one I'm going to have to try. All right, Ian, you're next up. What are you enjoying, yeah. sir? I am going to plug my local brewery, Enki, which is just down the road in Victoria, Minnesota. I am drinking their Raven tonight. It is a apparently a prize-winning Imperial Porter. And yeah, I wouldn't normally drink a porter at this time of year for the same reasons as uh, Karen just suggested. But I've had this a while, for a while and uh, 
they just announced that this this raven won a won a major award at a local uh, a regional brew, brewing festival and uh, so i thought i would celebrate with them excellent excellent well i am enjoying a local beer as well this is a dry hopped saison which was a gift from a friend which is which is awesome it's uh, the ready player one by level brewing uh, here in portland and it's got a little bit of that fruitiness, kind of like we we're talking about, um, light and uh, very delicious, actually. Not not super hoppy. And Ready Player One, I really liked the book. Uh, I finally read it just a year ago before that movie came out. I'm like, oh, the movie's coming out. I better read that thing, right? And uh, really enjoyed that. And a uh, friend got me that. And uh, I'm, of course, enjoying it because it is the month of May. We are officially in the month of May in my 100th running Indy 500 glass because I will forever remember being at that event. Uh, it, that is, it is the spectacle in racing, right? It just You just can't overcome what the Indy 500 is. It's a bucket list event for sure. I've been fortunate to, to be uh, sitting on the starting line and uh, – experience the Indy 500 myself and uh, would love to go back and we never miss uh, even if we have to tape it we always watch the Indy 500 and uh, I, I just love racing in general and I just love that whole event and I'll root for my hometown boy Alexander Rossi which is uh, from my hometown area and you know hopefully he can uh, drink that milk again but uh, yeah it's it's pretty interesting. Okay, I you know, I I wasn't a fan of Rossi originally. He's really grown on me and I think he's also become more used to the way that fans interact with you in IndyCar versus when he did a stint in F1 where they keep you away from all fans if possible. Uh in just a very different environment. And when I went to the 100th running, running that's when he won. His car actually ran out of fuel, right, on that last lap. And when he coasted to a stop, it was right in turn four where we were. So we got to see him right there. That was that was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, he he was a guy that uh, at first we weren't sure, no, sure what to think about him. I, I think he was maybe kind of stunned too um, <laughs> that that he pulled it off. And I don't know. It was just like the the contrast between him winning and was it the next year we had uh, uh, Taku right, and then we had uh, Will Power. I mean, some of the like when they won, they were just like crazy. <laughs> And meanwhile, you've got, you know, Rossi who's like really stoic about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I wonder how much being on the show Amazing Race, you know, a reality show and things like that has has helped him maybe, you know, get a little more used to the celebrity part of it and uh, dealing with the public. But, you know, it's probably hard to say, too. Well, and he, you know, I got to meet him finally in person. He was uh, at the he was at the World of Speed Museum. Now, he was really good with the fans there and. He's been doing what a Hinch and Rossi podcast now, where they're like really doing funny stuff. And so you're right. I think some of that all helped him come out finally, and yeah, be the guy that he should be, I guess, when it comes to interacting with fans and stuff. So, well, speaking of interacting with fans stuff, you're a rather popular person, having won so many championships now. I gotta start and figure out how it all started, though. You said you've been a motorsports fan for a very long time. Karen, how did you get bit by the racing bug in general and then rallying? Yeah, it's it's interesting because I came from a small town in Northern California, um, Manteca, California, and it's not really a racing area. Scott Speed's from there, um, and there's a few other people from there or from that area, but there wasn't really a big 
you know, racing culture. I didn't know anybody that raced, you know, anything, motorcycles, cars, whatever. And then in 2003, I had a friend that took me to a rally race and it was rim of the world. And I was absolutely hooked, you know, not, not just because it was a lot of women racing in it and, and everybody was having a blast, but it just was, um, just a whole different world, you know, full of, you know, challenges. I watched some of the you know, the stages and I just, uh, was just in awe. And then in 2004, there was a production two wheel drive, um, team that was looking for a team manager, um, and a crew chief. And so I joined them and, um, they won the championship and I helped them for a couple seasons. And then I really wanted to try it myself. I'm not really good at sitting on the sidelines. So then in 2006, I went to primitive, uh, rally school and literally the next week was Oregon Trail Rally and a team was looking for a co-driver and I said well if you don't find somebody let me know you know I, I, I guess I can do it I don't really know anything about co-driving I really want to be a driver and they called me a couple days later and said we really need somebody so borrowed suit borrowed helmet borrowed everything get in the car Scott Kovalik Eagle Talon and uh, it was pretty epic. We finished. We finished all three days, and I fell in, lo- in love with the sport even more. So then the phone started ringing for other co-driver gigs, and I just started co-driving. And I always hmm. said that I would drive at some point, and I can't believe it's been 13 years later. Like, holy crap! Where did the time go? Um, it does go yeah. fast once you start, you know, racing season, right? <laughs> Next thing you know, it's like, well, it's the end of the year again, another year starting. Wait, what happened? Yeah. And when you work full time and you're doing that, I mean, it's time really does go by quick. And so that's pretty much how I got into it. And, you know, I've done some driving off and on, uh, rally crosses, go-karting, um, things like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, just been, just been focusing on co-driving the last, uh, <laughs> several years. So, but you went from spectating as a fan to, uh, helping manage a team and then into the co-driver's seat, becoming a professional rather quickly in three years. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty darned quick. But you know what? <laughs> That's what makes rally so cool. You know, all these these racing series we're talking about, you know, uh, IndyCar and then you have Formula One and WRC and sports car racing and all the NHRA. It it has a pretty significant barrier to getting in and getting started. The great thing about rally is it's so easy to get Mm -hmm. in and get started. And I think that's what makes one of the many things that makes our, our sport so cool. Yeah, sometimes it's just a question of like being in the right place at the right time, isn't it? Because that's how I got started. Somebody just happened to ask me if I would be interested in co-driving. And it was just because I was a member of the local road rally club. Yeah, exactly. And I've heard a lot of stories or somebody volunteers at an event. And then the next thing you know, they say, oh, you know what? I want to try co-driving or I want to start driving. I'll buy a car or rent a car. So the barrier to entry is pretty low in rally. Mm-hmm. Well, we'd like to talk a little bit more about the history of you co-driving, but you already kind of led us into the fact that, you know, uh, getting behind the wheel and whatnot. And we, we said it in our intro that you're going to be 
racing in your first, uh, I think, competitive stage rally, right? Uh, coming up with the Oregon Trail. Yeah, it is my first um, stage rally as a driver, and it's a perfect time for me. You know, I, I really wanted to make some changes, and you know, I had a good friend pass away earlier this year, and I realized, you know, what am I waiting for? I don't want to have any regrets, and it's been much longer than I ever thought it would be before mm-hmm. I actually drove. And so, you know, it, it's Oregon Trail is a full circle thing for me. It was my very first rally. It's the rally that I've done the most. And it's the rally that means the most to me. So and I don't want to get mo- emotional because it is it's very emotional. You know, it's a it's a very special event. That's why I'm part of the organizing committee for Oregon Trail as well. And so if I look at all of the events in the U.S. and what event I could drive you know, my first rally, it had to be Oregon Trail. And it really, for me, had to be now. And Oregon Trail is offering something really cool for novices. And it's part of the Rich Olmsted Regional. And for those that didn't know Rich Olmsted, he was a good friend of Mike and I's and many other mm-hmm. people. He was all about helping newbies get into the sport he had such enthusiasm and excitement for rally and it was so infectious oh he was such a passionate man about the sport. you you could hardly shut the man man up it was great yeah he had so many stories you just like you felt like you were there the way he told him and you, you wanted to be there yourself exactly exactly so it's it's very fitting that this regional is named after him there's a special even entry fee for for novices so that the the money part is less of a barrier for people trying and it is great to see this event have so many novice drivers and i really think that you know this this is a deciding factor for a lot of folks because i love seeing new people get into the sport yeah Are, are you having a lot of trouble passing yourself off as a rookie being able to get all that experience. <laughs> Fair play there. Yeah. Don't tell him. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I am. I, you know, I, I check with the Oregon Trail folks, and uh, I definitely am a novice in their eyes. And guess what? I'm a novice in ARA's eyes as well. So my car will have to have uh, special modifications done. Um, in order for me to, to be able to drive it. So it's fine. It's fair, you know, and, and um, I would like to think that being fortunate to, to race with some of the best in our sport has rubbed off a little bit. Um, and I've learned a few things, you know, along the way. Well, your husband, Don, has been a Mopar man for a good portion of his life. Um, and you're driving a Dodge Caliber rally car. That's a little bit unique. Um, I, I don't know how much you know about the history of the car. That is, it sounds like is pretty much kind of a one-off, right? It was kind of under development, and so there's all kinds of unique parts on it. Yeah, it's. Um, we are definitely, if you you know our family, we are a Dodge family. So um, Don rallied. Uh, it was a driver for for many years, and it was always Dodges, um, and my first championship was in a. Uh, Dodge SRT4 Neon that he built. And so, you know, the, the Dodge brand is very important. I raced actually for Dodge in Targa, Newfoundland uh, for a couple of years. And um, so it's uh, it's a special brand uh, to us. This caliber is, um, you know, definitely a not your normal caliber you would see on the road, but, but in some ways it is. It's just got a few modifications that make it a little bit different because it is an SRT4 
caliber and they didn't make that many of them. And so unfortunately, when you break things, uh, it's a little harder to find a radiator for an SRT4 caliber because um, there's just not that many of them. So it's fun to be able to race something that no one has ever seen before. I think for me personally, that's um, super cool. And, um, you know, obviously I love Subarus and and raced in them for many years, but I'm really honored and excited to to race something that no one's ever, <laughs> maybe good, bad, or otherwise, uh, raced before. Yeah, I mean, I I um, compete in a fairly unique vehicle in the uh, in the rally truck, and uh, there's something to be said for, for being in a vehicle that stands out from everything else that's out there. No, for sure. I've rally crossed this car quite a few times, and it's it is uh, so much fun to see people's excitement when they see it. They're like, mm-hmm. seriously, really, and I'm like, yeah, really. And so Don and I ran Doo-Wop's rally actually in this car, and uh, you know, so it it has done you know some stage rallies and tarmac rallies and and so forth. So yeah, looking forward to it. And it looks like a proper race car. That's a great, just delivery on it's really cool. And I mean, it's it's a proper Mopar race car. It's neat. Yeah, Don built uh, a really, really good car. Um, he is a great car builder. I don't mean to brag on him too much, but, you know, as a crew chief and, and car builder, he's definitely one of the best out there. And so, you know, um, it's it's really exciting to to be able to drive one of his cars. And of course, getting ready for Oregon Trail. Um, you, s- you said you've been some uh, uh, a little bit of testing. You, you said you did do wops in it. And uh, what other events, I guess, have you done to just kind of get yourself behind the wheel a little bit more and get ready for it? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, a bunch of rally crosses uh, over the last few years have all been in this car, and uh, actually going to be doing another one this Saturday. You know, just getting as much seat time as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, some go-karting and, and some other things as well. So, you know, uh, just trying to, especially between now and Oregon Trail, which is just a few weeks away, just get as much seat time as I can. The one important question, actually, we should probably ask this. You're a co-driver. Who's going to co-drive for you? Because, <laughs> you know, that's kind of a big deal. Who are you going to trust in that right seat? Because, I mean, you're a multi-champion. Come on. Well, I definitely don't want to add any you know, extra pressure to anybody that's in that uh, right seat. And I have promised this person that I will give them my rally watch for Oregon Trail and I'm going to trust it to them and let them do their job so I can, uh, you know, focus on doing my job for the weekend. You know, and and when I looked at all the people out there, you know, there's there's so many great co-drivers, um, you know, in, in the U.S. and Canada. And, um, you know, the, the person that I picked is also kind of a cool full circle story as well. Um, and that person is Matt James. And Matt James and I awesome. met. Whoa. Yeah, we met in 2013. I was racing with David Sturks. And um, we were going for the SP Championship uh, for Rally America. We were at STPR. And his motorhome broke. And we needed a ladder. And so Matt James was um, just this kid hanging out and said, Hey, I got a ladder at my house. And so he literally ran to his house, got the ladder, brought it back. We were able to fix the motorhome, and we've been friends ever since. A year later, he starts rallying, and, you know, I've had the opportunity to 
to mentor him a, a you know a bit over the years and I've been really excited to see his uh, career progression you know he graduated from the Oz Rally Pro program mm-hmm. and you know he's he's raced with um, you know just faster and faster people every year and now doing it uh, full time so you know I really couldn't pick uh, a better co-driver and I'm really excited to have somebody of his caliber in the car. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, he's a yeah. Matt's a good friend of the show. Friend of the show, yes, yes. Uh, so it's like, are you going to find it easy to uh, let the let let go of the reins a bit on the co-driver's side? What... I think the answer is I have to. You know, I think it, I owe it to Matt, and I uh-huh. owe it to my crew chief uh, Don, and I I owe it to myself to to do that because I think that. You know, to, to focus and do the best I can, which in this case, my goal is to finish and have fun. Mm-hmm. If we don't have fun and we don't finish, then, you know, that that uh, won't be the, the result we're looking for. So it's just those two goals. So I think if I can just focus on driving and Matt, of course, is going to allow me to do that because he's a mm-hmm. pro. Yeah. Uh, then I will. Uh, I've promised that I will do that i can't say that i won't sneak a peek at the time card every <laughs> once in a while <laughs> old habits uh, tie hard but uh, but i here let me check your work <laughs> <laughs> but, but i think that it'll allow me to um to relax you know have a little more fun and uh you know just kind of enjoy the moment well that yeah and bring back actually a little bit full circle to the indycar thing matt's brother derek indycar mechanic Yes, yes, that is. So, here we go. There's there's it's such a small world this motorsport stuff, isn't it? Well, especially rally, right? Because it's yeah. it's definitely a family feel. Everybody seems to kind of pull together and and uh it is a very small world. So, let's talk a little bit about the you know, historical stuff. No, not too much history because I mean, we're not that old, right? Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you've been to many events uh, across the country, across the border. Um, is there something, a, a single moment that just stands out to you is like, wow, you know, th- this is why I got into this. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's lots of those moments. I mean, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of seeing how much fun the rally workers are having. Um, you know, sometimes it's a matter of, you know, Henry Krolikowski was a great friend and mentor of mine, and he just passed. And seeing all the outpouring and all the everybody pulling together at Hundred Acre Wood and the banners mm-hmm. and the tributes, and just seeing how much impact one person can make, you know, for, for me, probably one of my most special moments, especially recently, was winning Lake Superior Rally overall. Cause that's an event that I've been really close winning, um, but never have actually done so. And I've raced it a lot over the years. And so that was, um, that was a really emotional moment for me because it's, uh, you know, my husband's from Michigan. He has raced in that rally many, many times and, and, uh, and I have as well. And so, you know, winning that, uh, event with Joseph Burke, uh, in, uh, just last year, was uh, just a really, really special moment, not just for me, but, you know, for my family. So if you can have a favorite rally, though, a fa- favorite event, do you have a favorite or are they just too diverse? 
Um, I mean, I think that's a good question because they are very diverse, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I think that Lake Superior that I just mentioned uh, has just this perfect set of roads that are tight, twisty, and they just kind of have a song to it. You know, when the driver and the co-driver are in perfect harmony and the car is mm-hmm. working well, man, that is just such a cool event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you go to the West and Oregon and the roads are fast and they're fun. And, you know, I, I really, truly love this event. PIR on Friday night in Portland, Oregon and seeing those hundreds of people, thousand people, whatever the number ends up being every year, just having an absolute blast getting acquainted with rally and then hopefully going out on Saturday and Sunday and watching this race, you know, out in the, the Dalles and do and so forth. Um, that's really cool. So I think it kind of depends a little bit, um, you know, and, and, but I definitely, it's would say that, you know, those two events are definitely in the, in the top for me. Well, we, we know that you've been partnered with Jeff Seahorn for a few years now. Um, I remember when you kind of first started working with him, when I first saw uh, Jeff out there uh, and talking with him and whatnot, he, very fast, natural driver, right? Uh, he can read the road like nobody's business. He, he can tell the grip levels. You having been with many fast drivers in the past, but had were familiar with a, 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 some sort of note system, Jeff had no knowledge of that, right? He was mostly driving what he was seeing. What was it like getting someone to learn to trust that system and, and you know, teaching them along to become, well, you know, two-time champion. You guys were second overall last year, which is just crazy when you're going up against, you know, factory Subaru and things like that. Yeah. You know, we, um, we met back, uh, like 2014 and I started co-driving for him at Idaho in 2015. And, you know, you're absolutely right. Jeff is, uh, one of the most talented drivers out there. Uh, he is, uh, some of it is his motorcycle experience, um, I think has really, really helped him, um, you know, then transition to rally. Um, but he is a really great driver and, and it's really cool. We've done so many great things together. We've had great, uh, times in the car and, and uh, yes, and picked up some championships, you know, along the way. And I think, you know, one of the proudest moments is the last two years, we've been the top privateer team in ARA. And that's a, that's a hard thing to do because, you know, competing against factory teams with a, you know, a budget that we have is, is very difficult. But, you know, I think um, because of, you know, great partnerships that we were able to build together you know, as an example, Amsoil last year, now they're the series um, sponsor for ARA and uh, continue on with, you know, um, Seahorn uh, Rally Team's partnership. And and then the local um, sponsors like Dick Hanna Subaru and Nameless and Primitive, who are three companies that really support the rallyists and supporting, you know, our team um, has been absolutely, uh, you know, uh, imperative. And so, you know, I think it's it's all of those things. Um, but, you know, I mean, as as any good uh, partnership, you know, uh, happens, you know, sometimes it's time to, to make some changes. And, uh, you know, there's never really a good time for that. But, yeah. you know, now is is uh, feels like a, a perfect time. So, you know, I with my goal of 
not only driving Oregon, but, but other events as well. And, you know, and, um, you know, Jeff's really poised, you know, now and in the future to, to continue with that success, um, you know, that he's had in the past. Well, uh, it's gonna be interesting to see, uh, someone else maybe on that other side of the car, but, uh, uh, we're super excited to see you though. in in the driver's seat, that's going to be really, really awesome stuff. Um, we also wanted to, I guess, uh, talk about some other things that you've been doing. Um, you know, uh, besides co-driving and and uh, whatnot, you also are part of this program called Breaks. Uh, why don't you explain a little bit of what the Breaks program is like? Yeah, Breaks is a nonprofit that was set up by Doug Herbert. If you're an NHRA fan, you're very familiar with that name. His two sons uh, were killed in a car accident. It was a distracted driver. And he really wanted to put together a program to help teens uh, you know, with advanced driving. So learn to use their ABS brakes, as an example. You know, learn about oversteer and understeer. All the things the driving classes don't teach. They teach at a parallel park, use your blinker, and so forth. But, you know, when was the last time you practiced ABS braking? Probably right. I mean, not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, driver, drivers, Ed, they teach you how to dri- pass the driving test, not how to drive safely, per se, right? Exactly, exactly. And what what we've seen uh, coast to coast is more and more schools have cut all drivers' training. And so parents now, you know, have to either, you know, pay for uh, that type of training or do it themselves. And so, you know, now is a perfect time for a program like um, Brakes. Now, Brakes is free. For, for the teen. And so uh, Doug never wanted a teen to not do the program because of, you know, financial reasons. But that also means that, you know, Breaks is constantly fundraising, uh, you know, enough money to, to put these programs together. And so uh, currently they've uh, taught about 30,000 teenagers across the U.S. over the last 10 years. Wow. Um, and the only reason it hasn't been more is just funding. So um, Terry Hines, uh, the famous motorcycle team in NHRA, just donated a million dollars to help the program. So hopefully that infusion of cash will uh, allow that number, you know, that's 30,000 to be 60,000, let's say, in the next year to two years. So it's a really great program. It really um, fills up my soul to be able to uh, teach in that program because you really, really know that you make a difference. And so I, Don and I both um, teach uh, for breaks, and we absolutely love it. And honestly, it's the same reason that I do so much coaching and mentoring on the rally side, too, because I love to see more people get into the sport, and um, I love to give back to the sport. So breaks is just a, a just an all-around great program. So if you haven't heard of it and you have a teen that's uh, got at least 30 hours behind the wheel, you know, they've got a Facebook page, web page, uh, check out and see when they're going to be in your area. Well, that's, that's really cool. Cause I remember the first time I had to slam on the brakes and analog brakes kicked in and it scared the shit out of me. And it's this whole thing of not knowing what the car is going to do. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, when you can predict, you can be, you know, anticipate and be safer. And boy, let me tell you, it was a scary, scary moment because you freeze up when under analog brakes, you can actually still steer. Um, yeah, but exactly. And you, that's you freeze up because you're scared. Yeah. 
because you don't expect this, you know, thing, you know, and the brakes vibrating and ah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a freaky moment. So that's awesome. That just that just one small element of all the things you guys teach. Exactly right. Imagine if you're 16 years old and you have to slam on your brakes for the first time. And I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> See? And so and so this now takes that you know, that scariness or that hesitation, you know, it, it's funny that the, the first time through, I might get one student that uses their actually gets the ABS to, to kick in the first time trying it, maybe one. And then by the second time, it's like 70, 80%, you know, so it, and then, you know, third time through, everybody's doing it, and they're having fun, and they've learned. And, you know, it's you, you think about how much just literally breaks have changed. You know, you went from the having to pump the brakes to now, you know, ABS brakes basically does that for you. Mm-hmm. And the brakes program literally stands for be responsible and keep everyone safe. And, you know, I think they really they really do a good job on that. Cool. Oh, man. It's not just uh, teenagers that need need this kind of thing. You know, it's like people who come from another country. And move to Minnesota where in the winter, where where they have no idea how to deal with snow-packed roads. And Sounds stuff. like Ian's got an example here. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing some ice racing. Uh, I just 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 remember the first. I'm I'm still I'm still really nervous. Even though I've been here like twenty years, I'm still really nervous about handling a car on white roads. You know, it's that's. Uh, I mean, if, if there had been something like that available to me at an adult level when I when I'd moved here, you know, it's like uh, it might have been different for me. I might, but, but my wife and I won't road rally in the winter because I can't cope with being on white roads where I can't see the road surface, you know. But uh, but my wife, my wife was brought up around here, and she it's second nature to her to be driving in these conditions. You know I mean? It's like several times we've just like done a pirouette in the middle of the road because the, because of the road conditions. And she just like, lets it go around and we slow down and then we just drive away. Whether me, I would just like freak out. Some adults could do with this training as well, you know? Well, it's funny you say that because one of the, the requirements for brakes is a teen has to bring at least one parent. And then the, we teach the parents and the teens separately, but we teach the parents. And so we give them kind of a ref, refresher. And, you know, it's good practice, but then it's also helping them kind of, you know, uh, reiterate that with their teen after the class. And so, you know, I do see a fair amount of parents that, that don't have a lot of experience with ABS breaks, as an example, you know, and um, so it's always a good, good refresher, definitely for all of us. And there's four different courses, but um, yeah, it's like I said, it's it's good practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Another, another thing that uh, that interests us here on the podcast is this uh, the Women in Motorsport initiative that uh, the FIA are like currently cur- currently uh, carrying on with, and we've had Leanne Janilla on the show who just who sits on that uh, the women in motorsport committee and i just wondered what your take is what your thoughts are on the, this uh, the w- initiatives to get more women involved in motorsport well first off i think it's a great idea uh, i'd love to see more women in motorsports i mean i think i'm fortunate to be 
in a type of motorsport that has a lot of women competing. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of events will do a picture of just all the women racing. And it's so exciting to see that number grow and grow. And it's not just co-drivers, it's also drivers as well. So uh, I would say, you know, between drag racing and and rally racing, that's the two sports where uh, you just, you know, see uh, a larger than normal or average, I should say, you know, amount Mm -hmm. of women in, in, in motorsports. The FIA specific initiative I think is is great. I mean, I think any effort that we get, you know, behind that is good. You've got that new W series. I, uh, you know, I I don't really know what to think about it. I've I've got mixed feelings, but I hope it goes well, and I I hope it's um you know it's successful. But you know, if I look at my um, some of my heroes in rallying, you know, the Gail Truas as an example, and and even current drivers like Amanda Skelly or Kiana. You know, there's there's so, there's a lot of women that are racing, and you know, it's it's really exciting, you know, to see. Yeah, I must say that's that's one of the things that I really enjoy about this sport is the fact that there's so much more diversity here, mm-hmm. and it just it, it's just great to see. It just it just feels natural. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess when it just it, it actually feels kind of weird when you go into a thing and, and it's just nothing but men around. Um, I, I just feel more comfortable and normal when it's kind of. A mix of everything. <laughs> Obviously, we'd want more, uh, more the merrier for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just think it's really cool that it is so diverse. And and you know, you got whether it's you know uh, girlfriends or wives or whatever. Women aren't just involved in just the the, the racing part, whether it's co-driving. But you see them with tools crawling under a car, um, all kinds of stuff. And it's just. It's really good stuff. I'm, I I really really enjoy it. So well, you're seeing um, that, and I think more and more in motorsports. You know, watching Formula One and IndyCar and sports car racing like IMSA, you're seeing uh, more and more women engineers, uh, right. uh, engineers, and also on the crew. So it's it's not just drivers. You know, it's I think just throughout the sport. Um, and so you know, like Claire Williams in Formula One, uh, I know she just retired, but you know, there's there's a, you can see a lot at all levels, which is, you know, I think um, helps the sport in general. I don't know that I necessarily agree with separating uh, men and women like the W series is doing. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that's potentially more detrimental. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I like us all racing together. And, you know, like you said, Mike, it's, it's just, uh, you know, more fun that way. You're also involved in one of the committees for the ARA um, trying to improve a, a rallying in general as, as it, you know, starts to gain traction again. Um, I, I know rallying just over the years, kind of, you've seen the ups and downs, ups and downs. It's, it's really hard to keep some consistency in there. Um, I don't know, maybe it just kind of grows with an, and, and shrinks with the economy. I'm not quite sure, but if there was kind of the blank check thing, if, if you could see, I mean, what were some key changes you'd like to see to see rallying in America or also north of the border, whatever, North America general kind of go to that next scale? What would you like to see? Well, I think the easy answer is get a WRC rally. Um, I think that's a hard answer, you know, and, and maybe that's, uh, you know, another five years down the road. I, I think where we are now is what I want to see, which is uh, a huge influx of uh, new people getting into rally across the U.S., more rallies than ever. You know, I've I've been around, 
you know, rallying, you know, for 16 years. And this is the most amount of rallies I've seen on the calendar. And I'm not just talking ARA, you know, I'm just talking, you know, all like including NASA. Um, so there's more and more rallies in people's areas. So that brings out, you know, more competitors. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, when you're seeing entries like we've seen, you know, 60, 70, 80 cars, you know, that we haven't seen those kind of numbers in a long time. And so I actually think this is kind of a golden age of rally right now. The reason I got involved with ARA back with the split between Rally America and ARA is, uh, you know, as a competitor, you know, I really wanted to, to help grow and maybe even mold the sport or at least be able to provide some, you know, input. And so I actually joined the competition committee back in 2016 and I was, you know, on that committee. And then when the committee chair stepped down uh, a year later, you know, I took over. And so, you know, the competition committee is made up of fellow competitors and it really just advises, uh, makes recommendations uh, to the series manager. And we're responsible for the RCR, GCR rule books. And so, you know, we really kind of want to be that that voice of the competitor. So I think it's um it's a it's a very exciting time uh, for rally, and you know I like being part of um, ARA and and hoping that um, you know I can make some impact. Well, you know, like I said, yeah, it's been definitely exciting times right now, and and, and I, I can't argue that uh, things are looking pretty good. So. Uh, just want to see that continued growth and uh, more people maybe start to take an interest. And, and you're right. I think uh, the, the more events that we have, the more that that just, if it's, something's in your area, you, you know, it's going to happen. Um, and that definitely draws quite a few mm -hmm. people into it for sure. Um, well, and I think one, to tag yeah, off that, Mike, is, you know, I think one of the ways to, you know, continue to get more people into the sport is one day rallies. So, for example, on the West Coast, we're pretty lean when it comes to one-day regional events. And I think those mm -hmm. events are really critical because not everybody has vacation time. Like to do Oregon, which is really three days you'd have to take off. You know, they have well, the time. Even more than that with recce. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, there's a lot of people that would prefer to show up on Friday night after work, register, and race on Saturday. Or recce on Saturday and, and race on Sunday. So, you know, I, I'd love to see, you know, more of those one-day rallies as we continue to, to, you know, grow as a sport. Yeah, so this this would be a good point, a good chance for me to say everybody should go and do headwaters here in Minnesota in, <laughs> in a month because it's a one-day rally. Karen Jankowski says you should go and do a one-day rally. Get head to headwaters and do do that one-day event. <laughs> Fair enough. What, what's that event like? Yeah, tell us about that. <laughs> I haven't done that one yet. Oh, it, well, it's on, a section, it's on a section of road that we use in the winter for an Imagi winter trail rally. And so in the winter, it's all like iced up and slush or ice and slush and mud and snow. It's a whole, it can be a whole mix of conditions from like one side of the road to the other. But this time we've got headwaters is going to be there. It's going to be in the summer. So it's going to be a perfect, smooth, high speed, twisty, windy section of gravel. It's got, I think, I think it's going to be great, but uh, we need, we need, 
people to enter and you're you're now plugging one day events so i'm saying yes go to headwaters because karen says so <laughs> well i would say not only karen says so but i would do it if it uh wasn't so close to oregon that's the that's my perfect kind of rally mm. roads i like you know the fast twisty uh type of roads i think those are really fun and challenging and if it's anything like ojibwe and those type of roads oh, which are some of my favorites also out there you know ojibwe is so cool because you're literally racing down the road and you're like oh there's a there's a river on the right oh there's a river on the left <laughs> you know yeah and it's it's gorgeous not that i get to pay a lot of attention to that but you know and and it's just really fun technical but not too hard roads so you know i agree you know uh that area is great headwaters being a one day event is also wonderful but the people out there too i mean I, you didn't really touch on that but that's another great thing about racing in that area is just how wonderful the people are. Yeah, that's the Minnesota nice for you. They're all, everybody is so so friendly up there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, aren't you the Aren't you the rally that you get like the uh, the event made cookies? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we had that at uh, yeah, we had that at um, Namaji. Um, exactly. Yeah, it was cookies were made by um, Usher. Yeah, that's it, Mariana. Mariana Usher, she made cookies for the volunteers there. So, yeah, that's the kind Here of... Here I am being Ian's memory for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did, you did have one of my... You did, you did mention one of my bucket list uh, uh, events earlier on, but uh, uh, Targa Newfoundland, you've, you've competed there as well. Yeah, I have to say, Ian, you have to do it once. Mm-hmm. It is such a blast and you know i i was spoiled because i was racing with dodge at the time mm-hmm. you know and uh, 2006 was the introduction of the caliber so they bring out a caliber for that 2008 is the introduction of the challenger so they bring out a challenger for that which by the way challengers do not make good rally cars um <laughs> just um, backing yeah. up on every tight corner because it's you know too big to fit but um it was definitely a fan favorite and it is an absolute blast okay, okay. well I'll, I'll i'll put my i'll put my name out there sometime maybe for next year yeah as long as you got the vacation time i mean obviously it's about seven days yeah so it, mm-hmm. it's pretty wild because you've got prologue which is kind of seeding everyone mm-hmm. uh for a couple of stages and then you've got five straight days of racing every day it gets harder and harder to make the perfect time the zero time and it's all done by class and um there's usually at least one hurricane that hits tar hits a newfoundland while you're there so you got to yeah. deal with weather and um every city i mean every day you're in a different city yeah so you have the challenge of that uh, as well. So, um, you know, you fly in and and you're in that kind of area and that's very populated. But as you go around that that island, um, it gets less and less populated and less people and they don't have a lot of hotels and they only rent them out once a year. And, <laughs> and so that's the other thing, right? It's like rallying, whether it's Targa or whatever, it's we're in these remote areas 
which is awesome because these remote areas normally don't get these people, but yet we sometimes need infrastructure to support this thing that we're doing and it's not there, right? Well, it's right. One of those challenges like of Pennsylvania, work. STPR. Let's, you know, <laughs> some of the scariest hotel stories I have in rallying is at that event. Um, now there's, you know, maybe a, I think there's a couple more hotels than there were, but yeah, it's, it's really hard because sometimes rallies don't really think about that. They go, okay, cool. We got roads. And it's like, okay, are, is there, where are people going to stay? Where are you going to stay? And <laughs> do you have any restaurants open past seven o'clock? <laughs> right. Gosh, yeah. that is definitely a thing. Oh my God. Everything closes in some of those towns, like eight o'clock we're done. Well, exactly. <laughs> and they always say, well, uh, didn't you know there's a rally? Well, yes. You know, the, the, the rally will tell, the organizers will tell all these businesses, but whether the businesses will mm-hmm. believe us or want to spend that extra, t- you know, money for people, um, that's a whole right. different story. Well, uh, one thing that we also wanted to do on the show is, of course, uh, review the Olympus rally of which you competed in. And I don't know how long you want to hang on with us. We can kind of go through all kinds of stuff that happened there, but um I, we can just start off with you know we know that you and jeff had a, a couple of challenges but you still went back out there uh give it give us your kind of little short version of what olympus was like for you this year the conditions things like that well i think olympus is a really great rally you know there's um the roads are are really fun and challenging and technical we don't get um you know notes ahead of time so you have to write your own notes so that adds to the challenge it's very well organized um doesn't hurt that's only two hours from my house so that's the not not too shabby either but um you know i mean olympus this year i think the roads were a little more challenging than they've been in the past they had graded some of the roads which is kind of a blessing and a curse sometimes so we had um you know, a lot of river rock and, and some of the more sharp rock. And so that led to, I think, uh, a bunch of punctures for folks. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, we, we had a little off-road excursion. And um, the, the super rally rule for ARA allows us to go back with a penalty. But Olympus, as an event, made a rule that if you DNF'd at any point in the first day, you could not restart until the start of day two and not every event does that they're all a little bit different but um yeah because i because i remember some events will let you and i think we've done this at oregon trail before like you can come back on day one um but that day i think you wouldn't be scored any times you then you can come back on day two and that's when you'd have your rally restart or something something like that Mm -hmm. so you could at least get like some miles in if you wanted to learn or whatever well in fairness olympus allowed us to do that so we were able we were allowed to restart after the last service so we did get uh you know a couple of stages in but they weren't scored the difference is some events like oregon i believe even last year will allow you to restart at a certain point even the first day um yes and and be able to actually be scored so they're all a little bit different uh, olympus didn't but uh you know that allowed us to to get back out there on day two set some really cool top three times and uh you know and have a blast and and uh, bring home a finish so you know it's a uh, it, it was a really good event it had one of the higher entry numbers i've seen in quite a long time for olympus which was fun and the date change uh, was a big variable because, you know, over the last, I think, uh, what's it been, eight years, I think, um, Olympus mm-hmm. was in May, Oregon Trail was in April. They switched back to the traditional dates. 
And so that was, uh, you know, a big change as well. And we've had better weather with this event than we've had in years past <laughs> when they were earlier. I, that's funny. I think that's a fair that's a fair point too because Olympus has had a, a lot of rain over the last few years, and and obviously uh-huh. that impacts the roads quite a bit too. So, uh, no great weather. You could not ask for better uh, weather, and um, you know I think there was you know a lot of excitement uh, for that rally, but you know we had a first time winner with uh, mm-hmm. Oliver Solberg and uh, it was exciting to, to see some new blood, uh, you know, winning rallies and uh, especially such a young person as well. Yeah. I mean, I guess going off of that, you know, super motorsports, of course, being out there, um, Oliver, I, I went out and I, I didn't get a chance to see him that much, uh, obviously doing the media stuff. I, I don't always get out to the stages like I'd like to, but when I did see him, he was visibly quicker than David was. Um, I, he was wrestling that car around every corner. And I, this is his first time ever sweeping the roads from the front. It's his second ever four-wheel drive gravel rally, right? Because the first one was uh, uh, 100 Acre. It's, you know, what, the second competitive time in that big car. It's uh, it, suddenly a substitute co-driver. And boy, talk about connections, right? A Solberg, go figure. Uh, I need, I need a replacement co-driver. Let's call up Denny Juraday. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a nice uh, Rolodex there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, granted, he has neither had experience of being at Olympus before, but uh, Denny's got obviously a, a, a long reputation, history of uh, you know in, in WRC and whatnot, and. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was that was pretty cool to see him out there. And, and it was funny because I was actually talking with Better, and he's like, hey, you know, have, have you met Denny before? I'm like, no, hey, Denny, how are you doing? He's like, yeah, this is Denny Juraday. And then it clicked with me, that name. <laughs> and it took a, and I'm like, holy crap, that's who that is? <laughs> and, it, you know, people that follow WRC, look up EWRC results, and, and you'll see the long <laughs> history. <laughs> That'll explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. The guy's been around for a while. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um what I found really interesting, though, was just how on the edge Oliver was as far as... I mean, he literally, on both runs of Nawatzel, drove the tires off the car. I mean, just obliterated the tread on those things. Um, granted, they're using a different tire this year. They're still trying to figure them out. But it just shows how hard that kid pushes. Yeah, I saw his tires at one point, and it, it, they were like bald on the edges. It was, uh, he definitely uh, used up the tires and then some. How hard do you have to really push to wear the tires? I mean, I've seen that kind of stuff in WRC. It's the first time I've actually ever seen that in American rallying. I've seen it before myself. I think sometimes it depends a little bit on the softness of the tires and the tires and not taking anything, you know, um, away from him. Just, uh, sometimes it also has to do with the tires a bit, but yeah, I mean, he definitely, he definitely was pushing and, uh, uh, you know, he's done a, he's done a really good job. And I think for Oregon, Travis Pastrana's back, uh, in that seat. And I'm not sure when we're seeing Solberg again. Uh, Idaho. He'll be at mm-hmm. Idaho. So I think what it is, is the, Unless they change something, uh, Oliver's going to be doing every event but Oregon Trail and Ojibwe. And those are the two events that Travis will be in that car. So. Well, it'll be an interesting uh, title fight then because uh, 
I believe uh, Fatella is still in the lead in the championship. He is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, got a great third place on the podium again. But he's been really consistent. And he, that's kind of the name of the game. I mean, it's uh, as someone that's gone for championships. You know, it isn't about trying to 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 you know actually win every rally. It's about not finishing every rally yeah. and, and finishing as high as you can. And it's a different kind of racing when you're going for a championship instead of a few events here and there. So Fatel has done a great job with that. Uh, his car is absolutely awesome. I um, did some some uh, sitting in the right seat for him on the, the test day at, at 100 Acre Wood, and I was very curious to see what that car would be like. And, you know, it, it doesn't disappoint. It's a, it's a very exciting car, and, you know, I, I think uh, Joseph Burke's car is also extremely exciting. Oh, yeah. Um, talk about, uh, you know, just a beast and fast car um, that um, that team has put together. So uh, I, I love seeing that kind of competition. I, I hate seeing Rally America go away. Um, I think it surprised everybody, the timing. Um, and obviously put a, a lot, uh, you know, on ARA all of a sudden, but, uh, you know, it's, it is fun to see everybody kind of racing together from both series. Yeah. And, and I think that you can learn from each other. You always do. Right. So even if somebody's okay, yeah, that you've got a factory Subaru team, but you can still learn from them. I mean, you know, that you're not going to necessarily able to be at the same top speed as them, but how they do their corner entries, how, you know, you can see their lines and their breaking points and can t- learn at least something out there from, it, it kind of brings me back to, uh, you know, another uh, podcast that I love listening to is that Dinner with Racers, uh, those oh, guys. Oh, yes, and, me too. Yeah. One thing they always talk about is, you know, the, in sports car racing, when people complain about, you know, somebody being a real silver or whatever, and, and this weird system they have, you know, people complaining about somebody being too good that you have to race against. And yet in rallying, everybody is on the same roads and they all race together. Everybody has an opportunity and everybody can learn from each other. And even though somebody might be miles away better, it's still, you learn how you stack up. You learn, you know, what things you can maybe improve on and things like that. I I would think. Well, even as a co-driver, you know, I'm trying to constantly, you know, learn. Uh, I don't have all the answers, um, you know, and, and I try to, to learn from other co-drivers and pick up little things here and there. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's one of the other cool things about rally is people aren't, you know, afraid to share information. <laughs> no, yeah. it's quite the opposite. You know, people are very happy to, you know, to, to share information and help each other and, and so forth. And so, you know, there's, there's usually more than one way to, you know, to do things. And, you know, it's just a matter of wanting to seek out that information and ask people and try to keep, you know, learning. Now, one other thing that was neat about Olympus is we started to see McKenna Motorsports as a full-fledged motorsports outfit, right? Instead of them just running Barry's car, he had an R5 out there and he was running Kiana's car. So they are now SRT USA sized, or sorry, Super Motorsports USA, new name. Um, but they're they're a full fledged team working multiple cars, and that was really neat to see someone else committing to that level. And technically, they'd still be pi- privateers, privateer plus. I don't know what you want to call that because <laughs> obviously they have the funding. But to see a, a new car out there, um, well, two new cars really, and the support f- for people to be that they can now, I guess you know. We have now a mechanism 
to get more people from other places that won't have a car of their own. They want to maybe go try an American event, right? And can rent a car and a crew to go ahead and do that. Yeah, I think it's really exciting to see because I, I do agree it's going to be a great avenue for others to, to come in. You know, uh, McKenna definitely, um, you know, has uh, cars, not only the Seamus Burke car, but I think he has a, maybe even other cars that he's working on for rentals. And so I think it's going to be really fun to watch. You know, Barry's a really great driver, really great guy. It was awesome to see him put everything together and, and win at 100 Acre. And uh, then seeing Seamus go from the cold school escort to this, uh, you know, this that was an R5, I believe, um, that, mm-hmm. that he raced at uh, Olympus. And, you know, um, what a what a great car that is. And, and like you said, and even... He had to learn mm-hmm. a lot in that thing. He, he had to learn how to drive again, basically, because it's so different from what he's used to. He's used to the old torquey, uh, you know, last time he drove four-wheel drive was the Evo. And... You know, this thing, you have to drive it up on the rev range you, you know, near the rev limiter or it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, definitely a so totally really different car for sure for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to watch. And I love that, uh, you know, uh, Kiana's part of that team. And, you know, she's racing in France this year and getting a bunch of seat time. You're seeing yep. her get quicker and quicker. And, you know, I mean, honestly, any kind of racing, it's all about seat time. And rally's no different. And so, you know, it's it's fun to see her, you know, continue to, to grow and get faster. And, um, you know, that, pro, that whole team, um, you know, continue to be successful as well. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not anti-Subaru, but I'm, I'm just happy to see other makes of car making more competition for us. That's the great thing for me. Yeah, I agree. It, it's tough, though, because... The, it, it's a catch-22. Mm-hmm. The reason we see so many Subarus is they have the best support yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. of any manufacturer. One of the reasons that Jeff and I was able to do the things we were able to do the last two years was also Subaru and their contingency program and their early entry program and you know all the things that they've offered. And even with David Strokes and myself, same, same thing. It's that same program that allows people with day jobs – uh, like us, you know, to, to be able to, to race at, you know, the, that top level. And so yeah. um, without it, I think it would be very different. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that Subaru has continued to support rallying in the U.S. like they have. Yeah, nobody comes close. <laughs> I mean, there's other contingency programs out there, but it's like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it helps a little. Um, I will say that there's a lot of good tire contingencies right now, which is kind of cool. There's a big competition kind of among all the different tire uh, manufacturers out there uh, that are helping out with rallies. So that's kind of neat. You know, tires are a really expensive component um, to, to rally racing. And, um, you know, the, the faster you go, the more you're you're wearing those tires out. And That's true. The faster you are, for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's, uh, we, you know, the Seahorn Rally Team sponsored by Maxxis. And that support was huge. You know, you think about how much an average team spends in tires a year. It's it's pretty astronomical. So now you've got Cooper, um, you know, in the mix. You've got Hooser in the mix. It's really exciting to see all these manufacturers, you know, uh, stepping up for rally, not only offering contingency and some free tires, but also doing a lot of development as well. So, 
um, it's really fun time for, I think, rally tires in America and just having a lot of options instead of just, you know, Pirelli or, you know, D-Max as an example. So mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty cool. One other thing we saw out there at uh, Olympus that was interesting is, uh, and, and he's competed out there before, but uh, uh, Brandon Semenuk, um and John Hall, they're out there in a side-by-side this time, uh, which uh, I wasn't sure if Olympus was going to be able to do that. I mean, David uh, Sterks did it last year for the um, Tour de Forest, uh, but they had to trailer it, uh, you know, to the side-by-side to some of the stages, uh, except for those who are, like, closely connected where he could drive it in between. And uh, it was interesting to see that that car actually got a chance to get a pilot car kind of following it when it went from basically on the transits, which I thought that was kind of neat. But uh, a little bit of, I think, frustration from John Hall in that uh, they don't score them among the overalls. They put them kind of, you're you're in your separate class, even though you're, gosh, what he was like fifth fastest fourth fastest or they're freaking quick uh, except for the car would top out i think like at 80 miles an hour and not go any faster on the long straights but in the corners that thing is just so nimble uh it's definitely right up there with the top cars so a little bit of controversy there with the whole side by sides versus regular car thing and the whole rally world stuff but it was great to see something else different out there like you're saying ian uh but uh yeah a little bit of controversy on how those vehicles are handled i think utvs are a little tough uh, because you got to figure out where you're going to put them um, and where they fit in rally. There's some events that I don't know that they'll ever be able to really run uh, because of, you know, state or county rules. Um, and, you know, like Oregon, our Oregon event, you know, that's um, we're not able to, to accommodate UTVs. Um so I, I think that's, you know, always, at least for now, going to be a challenge. You have events like Idaho where UTVs are allowed on the just regular roads. And so it makes it very easy to accommodate them. UTVs have their own separate championship like other classes uh, in Rally mm-hmm. do. And um, I think as we continue to see more and more of them and, uh, and also more and more events being able to figure out ways to accommodate them, I think that that's going to be a, a significant growth in the sport. So it's fun to see somebody as talented as as Brandon Simonek, um, you know, come in and and have you know drive a I think it's a Yamaha UTV, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and obviously he's done you know very well, and we're seeing more and more people you know doing so as well. And I think you know also too you're seeing folks from desert racing coming over too because um, you know the USAC world the Baja 1000 and those type of events have had UTVs for years. So uh, I'm pretty, pretty exciting. I think. I think it'd be interesting to see maybe kind of manufacturers wanting to go at it, you know, and with the UTVs and uh, again, just draw more eyes to the sport. Just uh, be interesting how they segregate them. But uh, you know, the argument can pretty easily be made that they're still not a car. They're not street legal everywhere. And yeah, it, it, it's, the whole transit thing and stuff and, and how you, it, that's part of rallying, right? You, especially as co-drivers, you guys know that, you know, figuring out when, when you leave and arrive at the right time and go into the ATCs and all that, that's all part of classic rallying. That's part of our com- competition, you know, performance rallying. It's all part of it. And having this kind of separate thing that UTVs are sometimes allowed is kind of confusing. And uh, yeah, I, I totally like having them there on the roads. I, I don't know where to fit UTVs in the 
rally world, you know? It's like, uh, there's benefits, and there could be not-so-good things because they're not really a car. Well, and it's tough for them, too, because if you think about, for example, Tour de Forest, where they had to trailer their UTV to every stage, teams like David Sturks had to have basically extra crew person um, because mm-hmm. they needed, you know, basically, you know, one person that could basically drop it off and then the next person has to get over to pick it up and then do it over again. And some of the transits um, were really, really long for them to do that. And so, uh, yeah, I think there's a few kinks to work out, but just like anything that's new, I think we'll get there. Well, it's uh, good to see at uh, Olympus uh, some of your old rivals uh, who've had actually some engine troubles again and again, unfortunately, or, or was it drive shafts, engine troubles, all kinds of things. Uh, Cam Steele and Preston Osborne, uh, they ended up actually coming out with a win in the uh, limited four-wheel drive. Uh, I was definitely happy for them. Sucked for you guys, sorry. But uh, <laughs> if there was somebody that was going to win, that was great to see them finally get that mechanical monkey off their back well it sounds like talking to both of them before the event they were pretty confident that they had figured out their engine challenges that they've had in the past and so you know having them you know do so well get that past them and and so forth it was like you said it was really fun to to see them kind of put that all together and then Preston's actually joining me at Oregon Trail being his first time ever driving. I was going to lead into that. Yeah. yeah so there's... <laughs> we're going to have these uh, co-driver <laughs> as driver challenge going on, right? <laughs> yeah. We get any more. We can actually do like a little, uh, you know, prize fund or something like that. But um, yeah, it was, it was fun to see that, but it was also kind of sad to see, you know, uh, some of the other Pacific Northwest folks, uh, you know, like, um, you know, Sam and, and uh, Travis, you know, have Travis, some... Yeah, both had motors that went yeah. early on, really early on. Yeah, so that was um, that was really sad to see, and hopefully we see both of those teams at Oregon. Yeah, I'm hoping so, I mean, because, uh, yeah, having to swap an engine, uh, not an easy thing to do. But uh, winner of open two-wheel drive, Eric Potts, they had to swap not one engine, but two, and still one. Two? <laughs> so, two? Yes. Yes, I missed that they, bit. Uh, <laughs> I guess I did too. Yeah, was, I knew it was one. Both were before the event started. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they noticed a problem with their original motor uh, when they were testing out there by Dirtfish. At, at Dirtfish, had had uh, the crew swap a, a motor there. They basically go to fire it up and notice right away it's uh, it, it was leaking something or whatever. So, you know, I think a ga- head gasket was gone or something like that. Just as soon as they put it in, they're like, really. And so they had to swap yet again before they could uh, get the rally underway. And it was not tuned properly for, you know, their whole supercharger and stuff that they got in that car. And so uh, they they really had to deal with some interesting electrical issues where the motor was like, you know, wanting to go into limp mode sometimes or whatever. But they managed it, uh, kept it under control. And uh, I'm it, it, it's an endurance sport, right? So there's if you can manage the conditions and manage your vehicle uh, you can still sometimes come out on tops, and actually, that's their second uh, Olymp- uh, second win at Olympus, actually, because they won last year as well. Well, pre- for their class, yeah, well, so. press on, and if you got to press on by doing two engine swaps, then that's pretty darn cool. <laughs> that's a story to tell the grandkids. Yeah, one's tough enough during an event. Been there, done that, and uh, can't imagine trying to to do two. But Potts is one of those exciting racers to watch. You know, he is uh, quick and. 
he uh, he's does a lot with uh, with that car and he's uh, very exciting and I think you know him and Claudia make a good team so yeah they're it was really fun watching them race uh, Seamus Burke last year for the championship I did want to also get a give a shout out to uh, Blake and Trisha Lind who gosh where did they finish overall Blake and Trisha they're so fast in that thing I think it was like sixth overall they uh, I, they look great. How do they do that in that car? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeez. I, I got to tell you, that primitive car is fast. They built a really great car. Uh, you know, just watching a bunch of the post-event videos and so forth, he was just driving the the snot out of that car. And, uh, yeah, I mean, got another top 10 finish. You know, they actually won two regional championships last year, maybe even three. Um, so yeah, they're really a team to watch and yeah, really fun to see them, you know, continue to do well. And of course being from primitive, which also supports your team. So there you go. <laughs> well, they, they support probably half of, um, the Pacific Northwest rally team. That's very true. You know, yeah. they <laughs> even, um, supply the worker vests for like Oregon trail rally. So, you know, those talking about these, you know, home hometown, companies that that allow us rally us to do what we do and you know that's that's the neat thing like a company like primitive is everything from the volunteers to the events themselves to to helping out the rally team so you know um you look at all the teams at oregon with a primitive sticker on the car it'll be a lot because they really do help a lot of teams them and um, like i said nameless performance and uh decana subaru and some of those others so yeah really makes a difference well kind of closing out uh a few other stories i just wanted to bring up uh was awesome to see bruce Tabor and aaron hooker uh end up the only ones finishing and therefore winning their class in the uh limited two-wheel drive in the previously stolen centra ser uh end up coming back and winning that class a, a year later we're in the parking lot the day before the event that the night before the event that car was stolen it's painted black with there's brush strokes of paint <laughs> it is horrible and uh although i think bruce said that uh at least it has a nice cd player in it now which it didn't have before so <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, God, how long was that car gone four months i think i think it was about four months yeah and then they found it and uh, it just crazy that, that car came back and that they were able to, you know, get it uh, fixed up to go back out rallying again, then win their class. That is, that's a story for the ages right there. Well, and the whole family is, if you think about it, you look at how well Mark uh, and Matt do and Kristen and, of course, Bruce. I, I don't know of any other family in rallying that is, uh, you know, so active and literally the whole family rallies. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we did a little bit on them with the... Uh with the with the folks with the the media crew thing with ARA and they 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 are just fun and everybody definitely does really well on there um one of the other stories out of, out of the weekend uh the press on regardless award goes to Larry Clark because holy cow i i saw that car come through the finish it, that BMW M3 which is a gorgeous car but that thing was missing its hood its front right corner was munched in uh, I think I saw the left rear tire had a positive camber about 10 degrees. Um, it was beat to heck, and he was still going to make it to that finish. 
Yeah, I, I just like you saw that car come in and it was missing a lot of parts. But the one thing it wasn't missing was a smile. You know, both <laughs> driver and co-driver had the biggest smile you've ever seen. I think they were not only excited about finally, you know, getting to the finish, but uh, just, you know, being there and having a good time. And I, I didn't hear all the adventures, which, you know, got them there <laughs> uh, without the hood and, and all the other parts. But, uh, yeah, they've been rallying. The Clarks have been rallying a long time. So it was good to see him finish. And I think uh, one of my favorite stories of the entire weekend was uh, the guy that had that other WRC liveried Subaru out there. And I'm going to probably butcher his name, but it's like Nagengi. Wawaru, I'm probably pronouncing it all wrong, but apparently I I went over and I chatted with him for a second and he says he grew up in Kenya. He saw Petter Solberg compete in the famed safari rally of that era and he was just mesmerized. Fell in love with the Subaru team then. He ends up moving to the States when he's older, builds his dream rally car, which is of course a blob eye Subaru WRC. He never could have imagined ending up going to Olympus and competing on the same roads as Petter's then son, and then getting to meet his rally hero as a kid. I, I That's just an awesome story. And I guess you got to have a picture with Petter in the car and, and stuff like that. I'm just, I know we hear stories like this every now and then, and just, that was just one of the things that just kind of tickled me. Mm-hmm. Just this guy that's like, there's his hero. He built this car basically in that image he goes to compete in a rally finally in that car, and oh my God, there's my hero there, who would never be in the states normally. Yeah, it was a really cool story. You know, I'm pretty active on social media, and I saw as many pictures of that car mm-hmm. as I did of Solberg and and Higgins's car. Uh, definitely popular with folks, and uh, hearing his story and seeing his story on social media because I I didn't I wasn't aware of it during the event. I caught it kind of after the fact, but, uh, you know, and meeting him, what a, what a nice guy and what a really cool story. You, you have any, uh, meeting your hero stories, Ian? Um, uh, not, not to do, not to do with rally. No, no, I've not met, not met any of my rally heroes yet, but actually, you know, I'm come to think of it. Most of my rally heroes have like passed away, so I'm not going to be able to meet them anyway. So, but, uh, so no, unfortunately, I, but I did, um, yeah, I did catch this, uh, this story about, uh, about this, uh, the the gentleman whose name Ngengi Waweru. I mean, I thought it was a great story, and that's. I mean, there was probably some tears shed in the background afterwards, or maybe on that one, because that is just like, it's such a way cool story. It's just awesome. Well, of course, Karen's got many of her heroes, which are also uh, in the music world. <laughs> so uh, we were talking about that the other night when we uh, when we were chatting over a beer, and uh, you've got to, you've got to meet some of your heroes, right? Yeah, rally and music. I'm a huge music fan. I think I'm up to 150 concerts I've seen. Um, so that's one of my favorite things to do when I'm not, you know, racing is is go to live concerts and having that experience. But um, a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, and actually uh, got an opportunity to to meet him, and um, actually won the tickets. It was a book signing. Won the tickets on my birthday, so it was like the best birthday ever. I got to meet <laughs> the awesome. boss, and he lived up to expectations. And uh, I was recovering from uh, second foot surgery, and I was in a cast, and and uh, he made a kind of a joke about it, and, and just just such a nice nice guy. So, 
you know, you're always a little concerned about meeting your heroes that they won't live uh-huh. up or they'll do something and you're like, oh, I can't listen to you anymore because you were whatever. But um, no, he, he didn't disappoint. And, you know, from a rally perspective, um, you know, John Buffum, Doug Shepard, Gail Truez, uh, you know, I've got kind of a lot of heroes and and some I was able to race with like Doug and and others I've been able to, to be friends with and learn from like Gail. She works for Brakes also and um, and Buffum. And so. Um, yeah, they definitely all lived up to, to expectation and then some, and, you know, Doug is, is a great mentor, um, and somebody that made that tr- transition from co-driver for John Buffum to driver who has won many events and championships, uh, on both sides of the seat. And so he's been, um, you know, continuing to, to be a great mentor for me of, of, you know, making that transition. A new drive. Have Matt come out here? I gosh, has Matt? It's been a while since Matt been, been out west. He's been out west once before, I think, but it's been a long time, right? Actually, it's pretty cool. This will be his first time. So he was out in Idaho one time for for training, but uh, he has never been to to Oregon or Washington. So he's gonna be able to do a, a little sightseeing ways here as well and spend some extra there we time. Go. But he'll be wide eyed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's kind of funny. I. It's like Christmas. Um, I, I I just can't wait until Oregon Trail. I'm even more excited than I thought I would be. Um, and uh, you know, just what a what a cool opportunity. So I appreciate you guys' support. I appreciate you having me on the show. And like I said, big fan. And just keep doing what you guys are doing. It's a it's a really good show. Well, thank oh, you thank very you. much. Mm. Good luck at Oregon Trail. And uh, we'll we'll be. Uh, following how you do uh do you, do you have a target or is it just mostly i want to finish uh i think finish and have fun would be the if i can if we can mm-hmm. have as much fun as i think we're gonna have um and uh finish you know my first race i think that's uh even better than than winning because uh, that is winning for me so um you know it, i think the challenge for me is you know i i've I've been with a lot of really fast drivers, but I'm not fast. And so (laughs) I have to remember that, you know, my, my butt thinks, okay, you know, this is how we should take this corner. And then I got to remember my foot's got to remember, no, this is you. You can't do that. You can't do that yet. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. (laughs) So Because you're so used to that seat of the pants feeling and it's going to be different. Yeah, totally. Okay. (laughs) So, and you're in control of it this time yeah <laughs> i didn't even really think about it that way yeah so it's oh, uh, it's definitely a diff- different feeling but uh yeah thanks again guys you're welcome yeah i can't wait to hear about about the driving the driving experience and see how yeah, it, we'll have to have you back on and give uh have you give us a little bit of a a review of what it was like uh so it'll be uh, maybe we can have you and Preston both on. There we go. I, drivers who became drivers be show. Perfect. I think that would be a great show, and especially from that first time perspective, and both going through it. So, yep, deal. That sounds great. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Karen Jankowski, you are a treasure. You are so much fun, and uh, good luck coming up at the Dirtfish Oregon Trail Rally, presented by Wilsonville Subaru and Mountain Dew Kickstart. 
And a couple other quick notes. We wanted to mention that the High Desert Trails Rally was also this last weekend. And our guest on our show that we had, which is the uh, chair of the California Rally Series, Jennifer Stonecipher, she and Terry Stonecipher finished third in their class at that event. You can find all the scores and whatnot on NASA Rally Sport. And, of course, go to the California Rally Series Facebook page. they got all kinds of updates and stuff there. Um, some other events that happened also recently. Um, I believe you were following what was going on with Ken Block over the weekend, Ian. I, I had a quick uh, check-in on Ken Block and uh, Alex Gelsomino there in on the Cozzy World Tour and uh, Rally Wangarai in New Zealand. And they had an unfortunate DNF both days when they had a steering pump failure both days. So they... Uh, they didn't. Uh, they didn't finish the event there. But um, Alex's wife, Rhiannon, along with Brendo, uh, they had at Targa Tasmania. They had sixth in class, fifteenth overall, and were first in front wheel drive in their Hyundai. What is it? I twenty. I twenty. Yep. Yep. I twenty N. So great success for them there at Targa Tasmania. And a factory drive, which is oh, awesome to sure, see them yeah. get in a factory seat. Um, Targa, Tasmania, those Targa events, those are pretty epic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, love to see one of those in person. That was like six or seven days of, of six, racing. Six Great days, stuff. yeah. And uh, Colin Clark was doing, like, daily reports as well. Yeah. So it was well super. Done. Yeah. Great to be able to follow that, follow along with that. All right. So our next upcoming rally events we got uh, – uh, a, a little rally is coming up in uh, Chillicothe. Uh, there's uh, just a few cars going uh, into that event. <laughs> yes, uh, Southern Ohio Forest Rally. What 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 is the entry up to? I thought it was like nearly seventy. It sounds like Karen Jankowski thinks it's uh, over eighty. So I was like, I'm, I'm not sure how many there is there, but there's a lot there, and this is a super regional rally that is going to be on the national championship round next year for certain. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, w with that much of a draw, it's just it, it's just a must-have. Um, and then, of course, Oregon Trail Rally is going to be at the end of the month, uh, 31st through June 2nd. And that has 68-ish, I think, last I saw mm -hmm. for the entry list. And we're really looking forward to seeing Karen Jankowski move into the driver's seat there uh, with her co-driver now announced, Matt James. And we look forward to seeing him on the west coast here for the first time and uh seeing these oregon trail rally roads so that'll be really cool um and i guess you said uh headwaters is an event actually coming up and that's uh hopefully going to get some entries we mentioned that just a little bit earlier with karen yep. so for those of you up in the in that area of the country come on enter into headwaters they need entries because right now there aren't, aren't any the head to headwaters that's the phrase that's the catchphrase all right i know there's been some <laughs> issues with that event trying to run They've got that solved other than entries. That's why they're not able to run yet. So enter in that one uh, if you're looking for a fun little one-day event. And, of course, remember you can subscribe to us on Podbean, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or search your favorite podcast app. We're also on all the popular social media platforms. Please subscribe, tell a friend, tell your friend's friend, share, like, all that usual stuff. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, keep it shiny side up. Yeah. <laughs>